Right, welcome guys to the Top Form Podcast uh, with me, Lewis Quinn, and today's guest is another personal trainer from, it's not uh, near Glossop. Near Glossop, Broad Bottom, Bottom. which is Dom, who is a personal trainer who has big online business as well as one-to-one personal trainer, who's been in the game 10 years, did you say, 9, nine uh, 10 years? 10 years this year it will be. Sick. 10 years. How, come you, how did you get into personal training? What did so you do before that? I, uh, I was always sport literally it was the only thing I was ever good at, so... I went through BTEC and I went through obviously PE in school, only thing I was ever good at, went to college, left college because I didn't really enjoy it, I just thought it was another school, so then kind of fell into lifeguarding because it was kind of active and then from there I was just like well I'm good at sports, let's try PT. Yeah. And then from there, I just kind of fell into health, health and personal training from there. Yeah, it's all, how old was it when you got into the industry? God, I would have done my PT course when I... I did a health coaching course first when I was 16, because I was quite intrigued by health in general, and I was quite into it. I'd come from quite a healthy family. Yeah. And then when I was about 17, I'd say I did my PT course. So I'd say I qualified when I was about 18. Yeah. And then officially started working in gyms from there. All right, so, so what, I did a lifeguarding course. I, I think I did a lifeguarding course. Seems like the natural path. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I worked at, did you know, you know the active gyms? In yeah, yeah, like yeah. ones. They have Ken Ward, which Copley. is Copley. Yeah. And Hatters there. Yeah, yeah. So I worked, I started off the gym instructor there and then I think we, well, before I went to gym instructor, I did the lifeguarding, but it's a, it's a tough... It's a tough gig. Though. Boring. It is. Unless <laughs> someone's drowning. Yeah, I like, mean, you were begging for that to happen. I know, yeah. <laughs> or if you was a bit feeling worse for when you sat on one of them chairs. Yeah. With the uh, humidity. We didn't even get blessed with chairs. We were oh, just up there getting sore backs for oh, right. 12 hours, shower chips. It was deadly. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. And then with, did you go through college before that? So I literally only did three, three months worth of college because I literally left school, didn't really like it. Yeah. And then with college, I just kind of thought, this is just another repeat of school. And I like learning on my own. I like doing my own, picking my own direction so I can really, like, focus in on the specific things that I'm interested in. Yeah. And I just felt college didn't do that for me. So when I left, I kind of just started delving deep into um, health, specific health stuff that I was interested in. And the same with PT. I could then focus on topics, actually. I was interested in it and I wanted to help people with got, uh, down the line, you know? Yeah. What's the difference between, so like you did your PT course, mm-hmm. what's the difference between your level three PT and a health course? Right. So health coaching is very hel- holistic in the sense that it, it takes everything as a whole rather than focusing like PT does very, very much so on, um, in general, this is being quite general. Yeah. PT, Focuses a lot on exercise as being the predominant uh, variable of health, which, yes, it's important, but for me, there are so many other variables that just don't come into the standard personal training approach. Of course, they take into account nutrition mm-hmm. and some lifestyle stuff, but health coaching is a much more holistic, focusing on the psychological, mental, spiritual, physical, everything all in one. And for me, like, that's what we are. We are holistic. We need to have that all-around approach if we're going to make drastic change, if we're going to have a big impact, you know? So, very much so, it just took into account a lot more than just physical, the physical side of stuff, yeah. you know? And that was the, that's the biggest thing, really. And it was a bit alternative as well, you know? So, it, it, it looks very much at kind of like um, f- functional medicine is yeah. the best way to put it, you know? Using nutri- nutrition, using lifestyle to, to heal illness and... and that's really where I've gone into now. I've come kind of on a full circle. Yeah. And I'm back into that now, you know. You said you'd come from like quite a healthy background before. Like you always had that edge for personal, or not personal training, but you know, like health in general. Yeah. So my family would probably be regarded as quite a hippie family. Like we've right. always been like very, yeah, hippie, very yeah. natural. We've never, never really had any junk food when we were growing up. We were very much like, I was homeschooled for six years at that start. I only yeah. went to school when I was. 11 so i was kind of like we we're very much just like alternative in most of the things that we did vegan not vegan all right <laughs> ne- nearly like i didn't i didn't really have meat until yeah, yeah. probably being about 13 14 right. i had fish bits of fish yeah but not really i don't remember really remember remember having much meat yeah yeah um smoke weed 
I don't know about my mum and dad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought as soon as anyone says hippie, I'm like, they must smoke. <laughs> I mean, we went to some weird places where I'm almost certain it was all on psychedelics and yeah, yeah. stuff, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I did a... I like the only drug that I've never touched. Well, not touched since I was, like, a kid, probably, like, 20. I've mm. never touched coke since I don't like that drug. But mm. psychedelics are quite, like... Mate, you come yeah. to the right place. I, I love him. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, we did... I was saying on the first episode of this, I did acid for the very first time. Mm. Was it this year or last year? It was in a lockdown, anyway. So, uh, me and my mate, who's also into the, sort of the trippy stuff, um, we said we'd do it, and it was in my safe for ages at home. Mm. Um, and I was like, well, wait till... Uh, minds are clear, got nothing on our plates. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll do it. So we went to, in one of the lockdowns, I think it was like one of the last lockdowns for gyms, which I think was this year, I can't mm. remember now. Um, so yeah, when we took this acid, we had a tab each. No, neither of us ever took, took it before. And Jesus Christ, that was like 12 hours. I mean, it was, we had a, we both had a good time and we both said, before we took it, like, whatever happens, we, we know, kind of, yeah, we go to, like, this Saturday we've got a rave, so we're used to taking things and mm. the effects, so we kind of can, you prep yourself for it, but, oh, yeah, it was... You can't prepare for that. No, thing. no, 12 hours of, uh, we went for a walk, it was when it was, like, must have been summer, because it was a nice day, went for a walk, and walk, and everything sort of started looking quite vivid, and I was like, oh, this is nice, and then we got back, and we put a podcast on, with, it was Mike Tyson, and Mike Tyson was on Mushrooms in this podcast. yeah. yeah. And friggin' hell, like, and then before, we started at midday, 12 o'clock, and he left my house at 12 uh, midnight, and I was like, we still kind of go It goes on. Yeah, It yeah. goes on. And even, even when you kind of know what you're expecting a little bit, first time, I mean, I've only done it once, I say this, like, yeah. acid once, but even for me, like, after about seven hours, no matter how experienced you are, I feel like you're kind of going... Is this me forever? Like, am I, 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 am I, am I in it for life? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, every time it would, I just thought I was coming out of it and then, like, all of a sudden something else would happen and, like, oh, all right, I've not mm. quite finished the trip yet. But what, it was really good. Really what probably. did he get from it? Did he, did he get? Um, I wouldn't have said, like, I changed my life from it. Um, just enjoyed it and, yeah. It's subtle. Yes, yeah, subtle. subtle. Thing, yeah. After. Subtle. Yeah, yeah. We've had, um, like, we've done mushrooms and stuff and smoked quite a bit of weed, but... Mm. Yeah, I've never had like a life-changing experience yet. Yeah. Try ayahuasca. Uh, yeah, someone's told me that. Try that. Ayahuasca. Yeah, only from what I've heard of people talking mm. about it. Um, that one that one will do the instant change. The yeah, others, and it's only for a few seconds, I've been told, like a minute. So that's, D, that's DMT. DMT, yeah, that's DMT is right. five to ten minutes. Yeah. Craziest shit you'll ever see, and then gone. Gone. Whereas the ayahuasca, you have to go to a proper ceremony proper. for it. So you've right. got, you don't want to do it on your hot on your own well you probably still have a good time but yeah, yeah. I think you want to be guided through it because it's a it's intense mental more than acid very different alright I actually don't remember acid I don't remember that how I just remember it being very very intense and it was very like disorientated didn't know what was going on yeah whereas the um, the ayahuasca is mean, very meaningful like it's it touches on a lot deeper it touches on real stuff in your life like it, it seems to give you information yeah about yeah about yourself that cannot possibly come from anywhere other than it seems like somewhere else. Yeah. Like it, it goes through aspects of your life when you were a kid, things you don't even didn't even know really happened, but it shows you stuff and you kind of re-experience it and you go through this emotional roller coaster. It's unbelievable, but you can't really, you've got to experience it to kind of believe yeah. how... Can you do that in this country? You can if you know can where you? to go in. Yeah, I'll definitely <laughs> find out where to yeah. go in. Yeah, I'm... Uh, I really enjoy, I did enjoy it. Do it again, but I I, I slept like crap afterwards. Mm. I had to really. I'd probably have to book like a few days. Oh out. god, yeah. You don't sleep. You don't sleep for a good while. I did. Oh, yeah, I just because like with weed, you sleep really well afterwards. I've found, mm. um, and I just thought it was going to be similar to that, but it was really bad. Mm. Yeah, the sleep was awful. <laughs> good experience, but yeah, slept. Really Not something bad. you do every weekend. No, it? no. So you came from like quite a healthy background anyway, so you had that foot in the door. Yeah. It went like it, you had to go for a big life change to, to do it. No, not really. Like, in fact, I kind of went further away from health as I got into training more, right. you know, like, um, not but only because I didn't do very well. Like I, I was very healthy. I got into health coaching. I was focused heavily on health and then I kind of fell in love with bodybuilding, which took me down a less healthy route. Yeah. But in terms of the diet, 
in terms of the diet as yeah. one thing, in terms of just habits in general, in terms of my my emphasis then turned on to build muscle at every, by all means, build muscle and that nothing else really matters. So I kind of neglected areas I was previously quite like focused on, you know, like in areas of health, you know, so um, lots of pros from it and it does a lot for training your discipline and your mind and mm-hmm. stuff and incredible journey. I would never change change any of it, but... I do differently. What do category it. did you go in? So I only competed three times. Three times. I did um, start off men's physique, as everyone does when they yeah. first start. Start off men's physique. Did two years growing and came back and did a classic, I think I did, first one. And then the last one I did, which I kind of just dropped out of. I was My head was gone by this time. Um, I did just standard bodybuilding by the by the third time I couldn't compete. So yeah. I kind of progressed as my size, size as my size went on, I kind of progressed to those bigger stages. Yeah. Um yeah, by the third one I'd kind of my head was gone. So I just kinda of, kind of quite consecutively though these competitions like every year or every, do you have a over years off? over four years. Right. I'd say. Over four years. So uh, yeah first one twenty one, second one twenty uh, twenty twenty First one I was 21, second one I was 23, 24, and then third one I was 24, 25 maybe yeah. when I did the last one. Did you have any kids then? One kid. Did you? Yeah. So when I've competed, I've never, I've not been in a relationship, but I've never had a, a child. I, I am going to challenge myself possibly next year to compete again mm. with a kid just to see if I can do it, but I can imagine it's a lot harder. Yeah, um, yeah. With running a business as well, because it's, it's quite quite a selfish thing like oh massively you know massively it's quite selfish selfish, it's, and it's tough to kind of find the balance with a kid and, and business it is quite tough to find that balance don't get me wrong you, we can say this but then we there are competitors who have flipping two three kids and yeah. they're doing it and they stuff. do it they compete a few times a year they, exactly yeah. so it's mind over matter I guess isn't it just like yeah. what we're going to be doing today <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean with it it's uh, it, it is a tough spot I've always found though that whenever I've competed, like business always seems to go really well. Though. It kind of looks after itself. Mm. And I think it's because you're either, if you're not training, you're sleeping. If you're not sleeping, you're working. Mm. It's like everything just seemed regimented. and So, yeah, every time I've competed, work's been mint and everything's just aligned. Mm. Um, but I think it's because that's the only things you start concentrating on. Yeah. Work and training. It gives you control. It gives you a sense of control. That and, you, you know, maybe because you're feeling a bit more productive I'm not sure mm. and your clients of you sort of see you as a bit of an inspiration you mm. train and stuff I've always done I've never I think I was always broad I think from just playing rugby I've always naturally been broad but mm. the um, I've never done the muscle model now when I saw them when I compete because I went into classic um, like there and ama- they're just amazing shape for the kind of symmetry and stuff yeah symmetry they were good looking lads mm. yeah it was uh, I felt like bodybuilding with all the bodybuilders are more like the ogres yeah. at the backstage. <laughs> like we're just it's walking not a, around. It's not the kind of look you'd want day to day. No. Whereas the muscle model is much more attractive yeah. for a kind of experience in life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and aesthetics. Like, is that what you'd be looking at getting into? Would, uh, no. would I go into muscle model? No. I'd probably like to stick to classic bodybuilding, but it's a lot more... I probably won't be able to do it next year because I don't think I'd have my size by next year. Mm. Uh, I lost a lot of weight sort of a couple of years ago. So... It's just getting it back. Mm. Um, I'd like to do it nat- naturally. I've never touched steroids, only because out of all the drugs I've probably ever taken, steroids is the only one that scares me in terms of I'm scared that I get addicted to that, only because mm. of the size. Um, so that's the only... But I am thinking about... I'm going to go to the doctor and get a test first, because I think... Just be interested to see where my tos- testosterone levels are. Naturally, yeah. In the last year, oh, I have had a lot of things going on, um, and especially with lockdown and stuff, but I've just felt like I've lost my edge. Maybe in the, over the last two years. So I was going to see out of interest where I was on a scale of testosterone and then look at maybe looking at testosterone next year. But with a lot of research, I'm not just going to be able to your local bodybuilding no. gym and buy some well, you don't, injections. You, to be where you are at naturally, and then for you to say you've lost a lot of size, you've done pretty well to oh, work well, on that you. tissue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I was kind of very adamant I was going to go down the natural route for a very, very long time. And then essentially... I eventually kind of got convinced by people around me were like it's the only way you're going to make yeah, the real dent and get to that size 
and like you say there there is I mean when you, you when you when you're using stuff like that obviously it's very like you say it's easy to get addicted because the quality of your training how you feel like your libido all of this is just is through it through the roof. roof and you just feel like an animal like you feel like you could lift anything mm. and um you don't want to, once you've had that you don't want to lose that yeah that's and what I'm scared of you're never going to f- but obviously I've I've not touched anything for Three years. Yeah. Um, actually, I enjoy training still. I don't feel like I, I would lie if I was saying there wasn't a kind of period of time after coming off where I was a bit like dis, disheartened with training and how I felt and stuff yeah. like that. But change the emphasis a little bit, and and you you do regain that, especially when your natural levels pick up. And if you optimize your natural levels, you can clearly do good things. Yeah. You, know, you can clearly put on a lot of tissue. Yeah, I'm into, and I'm terrified of needles. I'm absolutely like that <laughs> is one of my. Eyes. Yeah, I'm, I'm scared of aeroplanes and needles. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's one thing I've got to kind of get used to, I suppose. Mm. But I'm going to research it before I do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm re- just looking to testosterone at first, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Yeah, just to try and get an edge. Did you find you had a bit more of an edge out of the gym as well? Like, into when I say edge, like, um, you were better at getting things done there was a lot less lull time yeah so there's a bit of a mixed bag it's a bit of a mixed bag you sleep more alright I yeah. wouldn't have expected that I slept more I mean that part could partly be down to the fact I didn't really know what I was I wasn't taking care of my health in the same way so that partly could have been down to that but I was sleeping a lot which, but again I was training very hard and there was a lot of breakdown yeah. going on in the body however Testosterone levels is so li- so linked to like confidence and per- drive in in males that like when when we have artificially spiked levels of testosterone we just feel unstoppable. So it means yeah we are more productive because like you just feel unstoppable. So you're there you're getting things done because you've got that confidence that you, you're just gonna get it done. Yeah. So there there is that level where you do feel more on top of everything but I think that generally comes from that just that male energy you've got inside you where it's just like I can do anything that's the kind of thing it instills in you yeah so yeah yes and no I was sleeping a lot <laughs> it could have been for all the reasons uh, but yeah it definitely instills that boost and that kind of get up that and edge. going yeah 100% right. so you went from your bodybuilding stage which was 24 yeah. Well, I was, I, no, I started at 21, 21, I started doing bodybuilding naturally. I, I mean, I was training physique-wise before. Yeah. I got my first coach for it at about 21, 2021. Um, and then I kind of fell in love, just fell in love with it from there. And I was just addicted to kind of progress, more muscle, everything like that. Yeah, and That yeah. was kind of like... I'd say till 26, 20, being about 21, five years I'd say, it was about 21 till 26 or 20 till 26 round up. Yeah, and then did you find your clients, because you were first training at that time as well, did you get a lot of clients who wanted similar goals to yourself, whether it was hmm. like bodybuilding, building muscle, or would it, was it still quite a big range? In the end, yeah, so funnily, in the end, at first, I kind of just ended up um, with start, uh, quite a big range of clients, but then as you start, to, it kind of you kind of look a bit out of place when you're kind of this yeah, massive, yeah, massive guy trying to tell training like an old to do some squats. exactly yeah. yeah. So then eventually you kind of naturally they just kind of wean out, and you start attracting more kind of males, not necessarily looking to compete, but yeah. who are looking to build muscle. Yeah, they look at you and go, that's what I, I want. I want that. Mm-hmm. So I they, think they look at you though and they don't realise the story behind it. Yeah, No, absolutely. And so when they train kind of three times a week and stick to the diet for about 10% of the time and they come back and go, well, why, why do I not look like yeah. you? This kind of can create a bit of dis- it can disillusion the whole thing of what's yeah. involved because it's, it's... It's it's so... That, that, I, I love food, love eating out, um, love good quality food, but yeah, the diet at any time within the bodybuilding has been the hardest bit, and I find psychologically it's mm. the hardest bit. It's coming to me. I, I used to get angry at, like if, um, so when I very first competed, I was living at home with my mum and dad, and uh, yeah, if they were getting a takeaway, I'd just be like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, like, what? Okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I used to get really pissed off of it, and then even afterwards, after my show, so like throughout the whole prep, I'd, um, so normally the average prep 
was maybe six months for me. Mm. I'd always kind of stay at like 30% body fat anyway. Mm. And then as long as I got 30%, I was like, yeah, in six months, I'll be ready to go on stage. Mm. Um, and I found, I'd buy like cakes and things like, I love cakes. Cakes, mm. sweets are my thing. I'm not, I'm not massive into savory, but yeah, cakes. Um, so I'd just like put them into a cupboard and kind of be like a squirrel hibernating, getting <laughs> everything ready. And then as soon as I stepped off stage, just, just scram. unhealthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like what to the point where I thought I would, like it was. I'd never had indigestion before. But I thought I would die. Mm. I thought this is it now. I'm gonna be dead on the kitchen floor, holding my stomach because of this. And um, so co- so common. I know. Over it, like they call it the rebound, and um, it was really unhealthy. Like it, it was super bad. I got such not a bad relationship with food, but yeah, it went. Too, so too much. I did. This is like a famous story. Yeah. After the last competition, hence why I just I finished after it and I didn't go back because after I competed, I had a few wobbles leading up to the day where I was just like lost control of my head mm. because I, I was so deprived, you know. And then on the day, I finished the comp and I had my mate was with me, brought me 12 uh, Krispy Kreme dolls. Oh, yeah. Right? Krispy Kreme, All of them. At all of them, right? In the space of about 10 minutes. But first, sorry, prior to this, we'd gone to Five Guys. I'd never had Five Guys or Krispy Kreme prior to this. How do you not? Never prior oh, to this, right? Five Guys can never go back. Well, I went in there and I had a full large chips, yeah. a full burger and a full milkshake. And then I ate my missus's half of her chips, half of her burger and her milkshake because she didn't have any of that. Got in the car, he gave me the donuts. I ate, I think I ate 11 of them while driving home in the space of half an hour and like you said indigestion my belly just when i got home it was fine until i got home and then it exploded and i was literally like one donut left yeah calling people saying i've got a donut here someone take it away from it because i was crippled literally crippled friggin hell i love food but i don't think i'd do that (laughs) it's not good that's good going on to get that that but it kind of set off a cycle after that of of um the only thing I can describe it as binge eating for yeah, probably yeah. two months, which was really quite detrimental to my psychology, um, which basically resulted in me just going, do you know what? Not for me. Yeah. I just do train, train for physique. I've done it, but let's just yeah. take control of this because I didn't really want it to happen again. It kind of knocked my confidence quite a lot because I always felt quite disciplined up until this moment. And then for two months, I felt like the most out of control person. And I was like, is this what I'm capable of? Like, can I not control myself around food anymore? Yeah, like, I've, yeah. I've always been fine, you know? So I kind of, after that, just decided, do you know what? Let's just rein it in a little bit. And it was all because of stuff going inside of my body. Like, it was all because of physiological stuff inside. But you feel like it's all about just you as a person. Yeah. And really your system after dieting and, and obviously using, like, uh, PEDs, your system is so messed up that you just kind of blame yourself for really your system just all it wants is food because it's been starved for so long so it tells you eat, 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 eat yeah. you know Jeez. and moving on from that, that discipline so like like now this is, I'm quite new into this area of personal training but you've moved your, your dis, discipline program mm-hmm. discipline by Dom which is your online program so yeah. you've got your gym your physical gym mm-hmm. um, in Broadbottom mm-hmm. yeah and you've now gone in the world of the online training and you've had the online training set up for I always trained the odd person online, but I had, I'd say I only really started it when the lock, first lockdown came in. Right. Um, and then since that, I've kind of transitioned more and more as time's gone on out away from the gym and onto the online world for various reasons, really. Like, um, yeah, for various reasons. Um, it's, it, for me, it's so different. It's so, so different. But when you find, when you really isolate, when you really look into how much value you can add to people when working with them online. More so in many cases than face-to-face, just because simply the, the vast kind of like array of information you can, and levels you can work with clients on, um, you realise you're actually impacting on, a, on an actual deeper level than you would be just putting people through the pace in the gym yeah. and shouting at them. You know? This is what I, yeah, like when I was telling you when we were prepping before, mm-hmm. um, the reason why I was, I like said I'm quite new to the online personal training and I like having a system. Mm. So I've had the odd online personal training client in the past, but I've just felt like my system's not been quite yeah. in place for it. But the main reason is because, like I said, I've got clients, I've got 8% of my clients who 
do everything outside the gym you should do, mm-hmm. and then they'll come to see you, check in, and they're all doing good. But then you've got them clients who they won't do anything from seeing you on Monday to yeah. and see them again on Wednesday. They've done nothing in between. Mm-hmm. The knowledge and why they're doing things isn't there. And I mean, at the end of the day, we've got to give them this personal training. We're giving people tools to to carry on mm-hmm. like, on their own. Um, so that's the reason why I wanted to get into personal training, build everything up, mm-hmm. uh, amongst probably some other reasons to try and cut my hours down at work, because uh, it's quite a time-intense job. Bit, but yeah. I know it's um, it, it's mint. But the, yeah, you just you want to try and what I was saying to a lot of the girls in lockdown uh, on the girls boot camp and to clients anyway is about um, which you touched on before when we we're talking about having value uh, mm. value sorry. So you can teach them how to train, but I was trying to explain to them, and I've used this lot of terminology before, like having a tabletop, mm. the tabletop just being you, uh, and you know you've got a leg which might be your exercise. One leg being nutrition, one leg being your mind, mindfulness and stuff. And the other one just being sort of like your social life. And in lockdown, obviously the the exercise leg kind of got taken away from us. Mm. And for a lot of people, the table then fell because everything else wasn't in place. The nutrition wasn't solid mm. and, and their idea behind it. The social life, obviously, the lockdown pubs got shut and everything. So people weren't seeing the friends. Um, and the mindfulness then suffered because you can't really bounce the table in two legs. So um, I was trying to explain it to them. A lot of them didn't get it. They're like, we need gyms open. I was like, yeah, but take the time to work on your mindfulness. We put a lot of webinars on for clients and uh, we had a mindfulness one, we had a vegan nutritionist and stuff. Mm. And it, it, some of them couldn't understand why, you know, we're trying to just give them tools because these tools are really important than, you know, just doing a couple of sets on squats in, in mm. the gym. And um, I've noticed, I, I realised that a lot more in, in the lockdown, which I'm quite grateful for, and that's kind of given me my push to try and get online. And I know you've been doing it quite well for well, over the last year. Well, how long have you been locked on? 18 months? God, it's been two years. Two yeah. years now, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. It's gone full mm. by. I know. But yeah, I think um, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Like, lockdown exposed the, the holes in people's regimes. And to me, the hole primarily is people emphasize training too much and that's a strange thing to say for a personal trainer who trains people you know but people put too much emphasis on training and so when that leg is taken away they kind of think what's the point so then everything else goes to pot because everything's been propped up by this one thing which is really only a small percentage of what's going to get you a result also good look at sleep food lifestyle how you manage social drinking all this kind of stuff you've got to take into account everything and so what the online helps to do is basically put everything on a level playing field as equally as important. And when people have that, like, yeah, I'm going to give you training, but that's no more important than the food. And mm. the food is no more important than your sleep. And the sleep is no more important than how you manage your habits at home. And it's the whole picture that provides results. So if you lose training, you lose 10%, 20%. And so you, it doesn't mean you let everything go to pot. And online coaching to me is about basically taking care of 24 hours of the day for clients rather than one hour of the day, which is what a lot of personal trainers are still, yeah, you know? exactly. And that, that was the, yeah, like I said, that dream behind it. One of the barriers that I found was not putting me off the idea, but one of the things I've got to just get used to, like I said to you, some of my clients train for like 10 years and they love coming, mm. love training them, but online training is more about giving someone the fundamentals mm. and allowing them to kind of build on it from there, like, they want to get from A to B, and you're kind of doing 75% of the work, and then they have got to do B to Z on their own then. 100%. So that's one thing I've got to get used to, but I'm looking forward to it, so I've just got a business mentor um, that I'm following, so I've got a ton of work to do for it, but I am looking forward to getting it sort of fully launched in January, Uh, but I just love, I like having a proper system in place. I yeah, yeah. Kind of, you know, whimsical way. Like you need it, you it. do. You need it. Like I, prior to online coaching, I always thought, like, how can you provide the same service and get results online as you can can see someone face to face? Because you're passionate about your job as well, and you want as good results as someone yeah. online. For me, if I'm not getting results, what's yeah? What's the point? Like, um, that's ultimately what you do the job, this job for. You can make make money in other ways, you yeah. know. So, like. For me, it's about results, and if you can't deliver that result online, then you probably shouldn't do online coaching. You should stick to face-to-face. So, for me, like the system, so important. Having a system where you know it's proven to get a result, 
And obviously it's got to be tweaked to every client because every client's different, but ultimately there is a system that is going to get a repetition of results every single time. And it also streamlines your own process for it. It makes it really simple for you to just slot someone into that process, make the tweaks required for that individual, and then you just know this is as long as they can kind of do their part, they're going to get results, hands down, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's like I say, and then you just you're in touch with them more frequently. You, you have more of a part to play. Yeah. Unless you train someone four or five times a week, like obviously you get your odd client lab, but most yeah. people maybe can afford one to two to three. PT sessions a week, um, but even then, you want to be able to have a have an overview of a client's life and how you fix the holes. Because if, if you're not aware of what's going on outside the gym, then they'll be stuck. They could plateau. No matter how hard you train them, they're going nowhere unless you tweak yeah, the important aspect. You know. Yeah, that's what I'm really looking forward to doing it. Because we wouldn't be in the job if we didn't like helping mm. people. So I am looking forward to doing it. Hopefully system would be in place. It's just, I think the main thing that that's the fear is making sure they're going to get as good quality service as they do, but I'm sure they will. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Just yeah. build your confidence up. Yeah, 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 exactly. So we'll say I'm excited anyway. Mm. Um, so then we've got these ice baths, which I can feel the cold in the room now. It's definitely it's why I'm wrapped up. I know, it's <laughs> well, when you, well, I know how cold it gets in my gym. Um, like wherever the temperature is outside, it's yeah. like 10 degrees colder in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is absolutely my warm room, so I'm wearing a t shirt. <laughs> like, yeah, after a client. Hey, this getting, should be feel easy to I know, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So, we're going to get in these ice baths in a bit, but let's talk about so your why, why I even got in touch with you was because, um, so Simon Booth, the middle man who sort of put me in touch, mm. who does the um, all the socials, all the artwork, all the mm. videos and stuff, who's really good at the job. Um, put them in touch and I kind of think similar to people who train at like 5 in the morning they just seem to have a life in order mm-hmm. and if you can jump in a cold freezing tub in you know first thing in the morning and take it on then yeah you seem to nothing be doing gets harder. Like nothing gets harder for the rest of the day exactly <laughs> so what is the reason behind your ice baths uh, so oh God, where do you start there, there, was, there are I fell into it kind of by accident as I was saying to you prior I'd literally seen a few people do it and literally I got given a bath from someone and I left it out in the garden, filled it up because I had kind of a plan to get in and see what was about. The only reason I ever did it in the the outset was literally because I thought this is a bit of an insane thing to do. If I can manage flipping five, ten minutes in in that, again, resilience, mental resilience. I thought I didn't didn't think of anything health related. I just thought, you know what, if I can do that, I can take anything, yeah. So I did it, and you kind of, it's the most, the first time you do it as well, it's the most uncomfortable thing in the world. And I kind of felt so good, I thought, you know what, I'm going to learn a bit more about why this is good, what's it actually helping me with, because I could feel that it was helping me. Yeah. But then I kind of did the research after doing it. So for me now, again, I do it because it's, it's basically three to five minutes of discomfort for a million and one benefits of health, psych- psychological, uh, like clarity and focus, energy, everything. But for me, I, do, I tend to do mine, if I'm doing it at the start of the day, I do it for alertness to set me up for the day. If I do it later on in the day, I do it to kind of um, stimulate my nervous system to then calm down and it really helps me sleep, helps me switch off from the stresses of the day and then so long as I don't do it too close to sleep, I can kind of yeah, you were asleep. I feel fall asleep amazing. amazing. I, cause I thought, because I mean, in January I'm going to try and do it for a challenge self to a week. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it every day in January of the new year. But you were saying like you can do it quite close to sleep, not like immediately before. And I thought it would be the way I thought everything would be kind of racing afterwards. But use one of your practices to do it, kind of chill out for two hours and you yeah. sleep like a baby. Yeah, so for me, like the, the one of the um, primary benefits of, of, of the cold therapy is that it basically gives, it stimulates your nervous system on a level, your parasympathetic nervous system because it's like a severe shock. Yeah. But by controlling your breathing and by relaxing and not letting yourself go into like this override, you actually gain control over your nervous system. So it's a process of the more you do it, the more you can quickly recover from the cold and, and calm your system down again. And that is... Um, 
that is partly why it helps me sleep. If I was to do, if I was to do it and then, and then jump in bed, I would not sleep for a long time. But because I do it, and then two hours maybe later, I've gained control of that so the nervous system. Actually, does the polar opposite. It helps me just to be very, very relaxed and muscularly as well. I just feel like you you feel just very all your muscles are very relaxed. Obviously, it helps with inflammation as well. So yeah. I find actually. The perfect time for me really is I do all my work, maybe six o'clock in an evening, six, seven o'clock in the evening, I'll do it. And then I'll have my downtime after because it's just like then you can fully switch off. It's like wipe this wipe the slate clean yeah. in terms of the stresses of the day, and that's the best way I look at it. And you have this like bin outside, like a big, big bin, wheelie bin. flat bin, wheelie bin, and you have it outside. So <laughs> what do you need? Do you need the neighbours look over it? Can they see you? They can't see the bin, thank- thankfully, but they, if they were to look out the window at the right time, they'd probably see me running in, inside the house naked, yeah. my arse out, running yeah, inside the yeah. house. Oh, you go fully naked? I get in in my boxes, yeah. just in case the neighbours are peeking over the wall. Yeah, yeah. It's quite high wall, luckily. Um, and then when I get out, I tend to stand outside a little bit, which no matter how cold the weather is outside, it feels warm when you're when you've got out there. So you can kind of stand outside for a few minutes. Yeah. Luckily the walls are big, so you yeah. can't you can't see too much. But obviously I'll just walk in, I'll, I'll dry get off outside and get back in. Jeez. Um, what would you say if someone were listening to this now, wanting to do it? What would you say the do's and don'ts? If you had to say right, definitely don't do this. Definitely don't. Um, I would say don't try and. Oh, do think of it as progression. It's the same as anything. The benefits come from progression, and so I mean, I I say this like I jumped in the deep end. I did it in the coldest weather, and I did it for about six minutes, which is more than what the res- the st- the evidence shows is beneficial. Right. Because really, they they peak at about five minutes. You don't really want not anything beyond five minutes. As long as it's cold enough, there's not really much. It's diminishing returns after that. Yeah. So, I'd say. If you've never done it before, you're going to get benefit from a minute, two minutes, three minutes. You are going to get benefit. And then build up. Then again, there's no harm in jumping in as long as you're not going to have a heart attack and flipping, yeah, you know, yeah, end yeah. up in there for life. Um, a way to go. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sucking a bit like yeah. that. <laughs> in a uh, Then the neighbours would be shocked. Like. <laughs> but um, I would just say, yeah, the whole purpose of it is to calm your nervous system and so the breathing is quite important because the first thing you do when you get in the bin is go yeah. and you can't breathe, right? And that is basically not controlling your nervous system. That's the opposite. So you want to try and take control of your breathing as quickly as you can. Breathe. If in through your nose. Right. Holding your breath. And box breathing is perfect. So you do like four seconds in. in. Yeah. Hold for four. Out for four hold the out breath for four and then back in yeah. and you just gain control and you don't try you just try and be in the moment you can't really I don't really have a choice because it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. just want to get out but um, just try and focus on how quickly can you control your nervous system when you've done it for a few times you get really good at it but at first it's like all you want to do is get out mm. all you want to do you know and that's part of it I think but in terms of do's and don'ts I think it's all about just testing your resilience, your men- just kind of your mental strength. Yeah. So there is no do's and don'ts. I think if you lose your toes and your fingers, get out. Yeah. <laughs> You're going black. Yeah, do that. That's about the, the only do and don't, I would say. Yeah. In terms of after, because that's where the effect, that's where the, re- the real benefit is, is where your blood suddenly shoots out to try and warm up everything. That's really where the benefit goes. Yeah. Um, other than getting a small pecker. Uh, other than that, yeah, just don't try and do anything with your missus for a Yeah, yeah, after it's that. not going to be impressive. It's definitely it? not. Um, my missus lets me know that quite frequently. Uh, so um, what I'd say is let your bo- the, the benefit comes from letting your body warm itself up because it's forcing out all this blood yeah. to all your organs, um, extremities and that is where a lot of the benefit comes from this increase like opening up up of the blood vessels all around the body that's where a lot of the benefit comes from so a lot of people will for example a lot of cold blasts are next to a sauna so people get in that and jump in sauna which is amazing if you ever do that but we, we, yeah, we went, the point i think we went to budapest me and some mates and they have all the bath houses and mm. we did the sauna and then did a bit of a plunge pool and stuff and i can't remember what it was like now mm. but I kind of like the idea of just challenging yourself and, you know, putting mm. yourself through some grit. But, um, 
yeah, it's been a while. So this guy who's kind of, I don't know if the father of it, but uh, they call him the Iceman, the Dutch yeah. Iceman, the Wim Hof. And um, I've only been doing some research on it recently because I knew I was speaking to you. Um, but he does a lot of breathing and like controlled hyperventilation, I think he calls it. Yeah. Um, so basically with the Dutch guy who'd um, he'd lost his wife and kind of the grieving process went through all these extreme temperatures. Mm. And now I watched some brief YouTube on him. He's like done half a marathon barefoot in mm. the Arctic Circle or above the Arctic Circle. He's done um, Kilimanjaro and just some shorts. Mm. So he's quite... And he's he's like 60-odd now. Oh, God, yeah. He's massive yeah. now. He's people like He's got a big following now just simply because of all this... What he does. ...crazy stuff that he's done. It's like going beyond what people think is possible. Yeah. Um, and normal. <laughs> and normal. 100%. normal. No one wants to walk the Arctic Circle in... No, a barefoot. A but it's worth doing it on like a laminate floor first thing in the morning when it's cold. <laughs> yeah. But the Arctic Circle is another, it's a it's another level. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. As I said, I kind of fell into it. I wasn't like a... I didn't read loads about Wim Hof and you kind of learn about that as you go because you kind of find yourself doing the same things. And he's a big, he's, I know he's big into his breathing with it. Mm. So he does a lot of the, what's called the Wim Hof breathing method, if you've heard of that. Yeah, he was talking about, well, if the business mentor that I've got was mm. talking about it to me. And I was looking at his YouTube videos and they're all talking about this like out of body experience you get yeah. from it. And they're like, yeah, you know, you can kind of lose sense of your body a little bit and you kind of feel like you're on the clouds. And mm. I'm buzzing because, you know, if you ever can never get a drop off ready for a rave, I might start <laughs> some like Wim Hof in this. In the like, corner, like. Yeah, bring some <laughs> Wim Hof on this bitch. Um, so, I'm really, yeah, have you ever experienced anything like that? So, or? so I haven't experienced the outward body experiences, but I've not done it for long enough. Like mm. I know people who do an hour and a half of breathing, an hour and a half straight, and they say like, and these are people who have taken mushrooms, who've taken ayahuasca, who've taken some real yeah. deep psychedelics, and they still say, and not just the odd one or two, a lot of people still say that if you do your breathing properly and you do it long enough, it's more intense and you, you have a, a, a more profound experience doing your breath work than you do any of the other stuff. And it's yeah. pretty hard to believe. I've not personally experienced it, but yeah. it's kind of hard to believe. But I've ha- probably had a good six or seven people tell me that breath work is the number one way right. to do it. It's, but you've got to be committed. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's not like you can just do it for the first time and get the feeling that I'm taking it. You probably could, but you've got to stick at it. You know, right. you've got to be. You've got to give yourself. If you don't get it in the first 20 minutes, a lot of people are going to go, oh, well, this isn't working. I'm going to leave yeah. it. Whereas, like I say, I know a guy who does it often for an hour and a half straight, nonstop, right? Which is intense because it quite, takes quite a lot of energy. Is it just you are hyper, like making yourself hyperventilate but under, under controlled manner? So basically the, the Wim Hof breathing is, is basically hyper-oxygenating the system by um, big in-breaths and short out-breaths. Out and you repeat that for a duration. At the end of that cycle, you hold your breath and you can tap, you can you can hold your breath for a crazy amount of time once you've hyperoxygenated. Like first time doing it, I did about two and a half minutes. Pretty crazy. And I wasn't I was I'm not good at it's not like my special yeah, reality, yeah, yeah. you know. But first time doing it because you kind of go you hyperoxygenate, you're doing big in breaths mm. and you're doing short out out breaths. You kind of the level of oxygen that fills your whole body is crazy and so that's like piles up a load of it stockpiles it and then so when you hold your breath after the last one you time your how long you can last yeah. and you're kind of thinking wow like I can because your body's no need for no any need to oxygen take it so you can hold it and Whoa. so what you do is you're supposed to repeat like I do different types there's Wim Hof breathing but I do different types like the box breathing for different purposes um, I don't often do the Wim Hof although I have done the Wim Hof in the past it's very stimulating it gets you flipping up so it's a good thing to do in the morning I guess but what you do is you develop your ability to uptake oxygen with it you know so as time goes on you'll start on two minutes holding your breath then you'll be able to do two and a half and three then four and people can do but crazy times by doing this and it just shows your uptake of oxygen is getting better which essentially for health is going to help every single aspect of your health you know and um in the world we live in today 
to say people don't know how to breathe anymore is a pretty crazy thing. It's like yeah. Trying to get your head I can get that. that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've not, I've not done any research around it and mm. stuff. It's only probably been in the last month or so I've heard more people doing it. One of the webinars that we had in one of the lockdowns was from, she was like a mindfulness coach and she talked about like the box breathing. That's where I first heard yeah. of that. Um, but yeah, the Wim Hof, I'm, I'm going to do a little bit more independent research on it, but mm. I'm going to challenge myself in January to do the, the thing and then if I can maybe look at some of these breathing techniques, mm. it's just, I've never been good at meditating. So no. I've always tried it, but I mean, there's other ways you can meditate. You don't have to just sit in a quiet room, do you? But the, um, yeah, but every time I've tried it, a few of my friends do it and they swear by it, but like, I find that I'm not really a stressy person, but I actually get a bit stressed doing, doing meditating. Same. Yeah. I find that I try, I try and shut my eyes, everything um, quiet. And then as soon as I hear something, I'm like, I'm being broken into mm. you. Um, do you know what? I'm the same. Like, yeah. I've always been useless with it, and it's exactly the same. It's almost adds, it almost adds stress. And one of the biggest breakthroughs I had was when so I can't remember who told me this that every time you break away your focus, but then you re, you bring it back in, that's another that's a win in terms of meditation. That's basically a benefit. Ah, right. Because it's about how you can bring that. As long as you notice what's happened, and pull it back in that is where actually you are gaining more control over your mind, which will always try and take your attention away. And the more you do this, and the more you stick with it and go, right, I can see what you're doing, pull it back in, I can see what you're doing. It might happen every three seconds, then it might happen every five seconds, then 10 seconds. And so you do get better at, better at like, like I say, I'm not a massive, I prefer to do the breath work. It's easier to focus on breathing than it is just sitting in silence, but you do get better. And I just found that perspective of it like, Every time you lose focus, but then you pull it back in, you've won. That's a win over the mind that's trying to take you away, you know. It's a much easier and less stressful way to think about it than just getting pissed off, which yeah. is what I would I would have done, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think when we do this bath, because I'm, I'm new, to, I've never done this, mm. um, but the temperature has definitely dropped in this room. <laughs> uh, I think because you'll be doing it as well, mm. I'm going to It maybe take mine off and... I'm going to try and talk and keep the podcast going uh, before it dies. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty interested to see how, it, how it's going to uh, kick off this. Yes. But, uh, I'm interested, you know, yeah. <laughs> how the conversation goes. Yeah. This is a daily to you. This is like a daily yeah. thing. Five times a week, I'd say I do it, make sure. I make sure I'm doing it. But um, I don't talk, do it. Right. To, I don't I don't have anyone to talk to. Right, so I might be talking to myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting. Well, we'll get this all moved out of the way yeah. and get in these baths. Let's get right. it done. All right, we've got that way. Right, man. Three, two, one, you ready for this? Let's go. solid there breathing just probably not gonna have much conversation for the first minute no i'm gonna cut yeah i'm kind of gonna adjust mm. but it's not as bad as i thought initially no i mean everything out of the water is shaking it it gets easier the first two minutes are the most challenging yeah once you get past the first two it gets easier like you get a bit warmer it's almost feel like is it getting warmer? It's obviously not, but... I know, I should have pissed in it. <laughs> Save it. <laughs> yeah, God. It's, um... But breathing, remember, just... It's harder when you're talking, obviously, but... The, the benefit is... To, the, the result comes from trying to gain control of your breathing, gain control of your nervous system. Um, like I said, most people have the hands out. I kind of use it as a little bonus. Hands, hands get the coldest. Yeah. Um, it's shit. If this was that, I could rest my arms more. <laughs> it's uh, God. You know what? I'm gonna put a timer on. I have a two minute rule. So whenever I do something I don't like doing, mm. I use a two minute rule. So that 
do it two minutes, yeah. I can stop if I want. Mm. But usually, so I hate reading. No, I like reading. I like reading a book, but I yeah. hate. I never used to write. <sighs> right, it's a cold that getting to me. <laughs> I used to hate reading, dyslectic, hated mm. reading. So I did this two minute rule because a couple of years ago I was like, right, New Year's resolution, write a, um, write a book, read a book. So I did the two minute rule. So I had to read a book for two minutes. After that, I could stop if I liked. Mm. But you're kind of in a swing of it. After that, yeah. Which is the more thing for anything you don't want to do. As soon as you do it for two minutes. I say it to clients, you know, you can come in for two minutes and you can leave after two minutes, but mm. they always stay. It's a strange it is a strange thing this because it's very uncomfortable mm. when you're doing it. Um but that's where all the benefits from like like you say, you can't give yourself any time to talk yourself out of it because you will do. Yeah. And um if you just it's easier like when you haven't got any, any talking to do because yeah, you, you can kind of go zone out focus on the breath and it's a lot easier um, <laughs> obviously this is a little bit different yeah you know you can see how it could be dangerous for people who do it because like, a lot of people going to like reservoirs and stuff don't do that I would never yeah. recommend doing that because if you're used to it you don't always want to be controlled you know like you don't want to be able to float off or anything like that like mm. swimming I wouldn't recommend it unless you're highly flipping trained at doing it mm. But obviously, there's not much can happen here if you're flipping. You're just gonna. Yeah. You can get out. You can top yourself over or whatever. Like. But I can find so like I'm shivering at the minute. But if I concentrate, I can stop shivering, and I can kind well, of. The shivering's not a bad thing. You're probably yeah. gonna shiver the first time you have done it if you're not exposed. Like the shivering's. It's just your body trying to warm up. Body trying to warm up, yeah, and that, there's a lot of benefits to the shivering. Like ah. so, especially if you look at like people do it for fat loss because it stimulates like brown fat tissue which helps to you do your ice bath for fat loss just not so while you're in here you're probably not going to be burning that many more calories because right. you're not going to be in here for very long but what cold therapy does is it stimulates what's called brown fat tissue which is highly metabolic and helps to basically burn calories so it stimulates your metabolism a little bit to burn more fuel brown so, fat tissue brown fat tissue like mm. this is a big thing people are doing it for these days is it stimulates brown fat tissue which is held mainly around your spinal cord and it basically like muscle tissue it's more metabolic than simple white fat which is your adipose tissue which you get from excess calories yeah. like babies have loads of brown fat tissue right and by going and exposing yourself to hypercold temperatures like this you're stimulating that fat tissue and essentially there's a lot of evidence to say you can increase your metabolism from doing it and also target very uh, stubborn fat, like, you know, like stubborn fat around your torso and stuff like that. Yeah, love handles. Yeah, so there's a lot, there's a lot of evidence around, around that and that's just another one. Like for me, it's like three, four, five, however long your last minutes of pain for a million and one benefits. A million mm. and one benefits that like, I wouldn't, I kind of, like I said to you before, you kind of find yourself going, I don't know why I'm doing this because it's uncomfortable, but yeah, I'm yeah. just doing it anyway. It's not because I feel like I have to do it. I do it because the flipping benefits of it are... Kind of like training in a way. Yeah, of course yeah, it is. Cause it, it, hurts, it hurts, you go through it, but you're going to do it again tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. And you kind of get addicted to that discomfort and that kind of the the pain side of it. And you know what? Nothing ever changes if you're comfortable, you know? Mm. So it's just another mechanism of forcing your body to adapt and... Do you know what it will help? It helps with training mm. because it's going to increase your ability to uh, transfer blood and nutrients around the body. Like it has direct impact on testosterone levels. Oh, does it? So after after again, evidence shows that testosterone levels increase after. But by basically, it's unclear as to how. Just that it does, but it seems like it's because when you're in here, all of your blood floods to your organs to keep you alive. Yeah. When you, and your, your central organs like your heart really so the most important ones and then when you get out your body suddenly goes bang blood all over the body which then stimulates like increased um, uptake of blood into your testes which is mm. creating testosterone and it stimulates increasing testosterone like again the exact means is unclear but there is a lot of evidence to say that it directly stimulates testosterone levels. Probably not going to make you flipping Arnold Schwarzenegger, no. but it's going to be just another means you can use. Yeah, before you turn to the needle. Yeah, exactly. Because it's another um, 
It's probably a reason why your pecker gets small, isn't it? It's get no blood to just get like hammered to it. <laughs> if it? only it got bigger every time you did I it, know, and the pod got back. <laughs> God. Yeah. Well, I had um, yesterday. I don't normally do group training in terms of, like circuit classes, but my rugby team, their pitches were all smashed from the weather, so uh, the Astros could do the gym. So like, yeah, no worries, I'll stay after work. So we did boxing, mm. and basically I had the body pad on, and like 16 lads just hammered me. Yeah, so yeah. So my abs are killing today, so I'm sure this is going to help. Yeah, this is going to be. You seem to be handling it a lot better than I am. Time. <laughs> time. It's, yeah, do you know what? It's literally like I was, I got out the first time I did it, I got out after 60 seconds. Right. Got back in after two minutes after because I thought I'm not being defeated by yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I got back, I got out, I was like, I can't do that. But then re- you realise the first two minutes are first minute really is the hardest one mm. you kind of feel a bit warm after it and obviously your body yeah. gets better at handling it the whole point is like now my body should be I'd hope pretty good at dealing with cold yeah because I do it enough you know and that's just all it is the first time in the gym is the most painful yeah the first time doing this is the most painful it gets easier yeah if it ever gets easier you're doing it wrong because obviously it's got it's the same as a gym you know you've yeah. got you've got a it's like progression, you've got to progress it. Have you ever done a cold shower? I think that's harder. Harder, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I tried that ice cold shower because the water's constantly hitting you and your harder. body can't kind of make that layer of warmth you can around get out. the skin. That and it's so tempting to, you know, turn the tap and make yeah. it like lukewarm. 100%. But yeah, I've, I've tried cold showers once and I think they're going to be a lot harder than this. 100%. I, I yeah. say that all the time. People say, people say to me, I, I tried a cold shower. But I stopped doing it because it's so hard. It's harder than this. Yeah, like, this is colder, yeah. but and more constant. Yeah, you just sat here and your body can kind yeah. of get used to it. One of my um, one of my mates who's into all kind of all these extremes, uh, he does hot, scalding showers, like Shit. boiling hot and then cold. Like, it just seems extreme to like Joe Rogan. I know he does his boiling hot saunas and a few other people I've heard have done these like boiling hot saunas so is it just kind of the extreme temperature so that refocuses the mind what we've basically like what we've lost because of housing and electricity is the ability to regulate our body temperatures mm. that's what we've lost massively in today's world and regulating temp- body temperatures is so important for all sorts just basically being able to sustain homeostasis so like because we're in warm temperatures we wrap up all the time we get in cars we're never really exposed to super cold temperatures but then we also have the opposite which is the hot yeah and if you expose yourself to both extremes your body gets better at finding homeostasis a lot easier finding balance and essentially it's good for the immune system it's good for circulation of blood it's good for pretty much everything on an either direct or indirect level if your body is good at regulating its body temperature so it's a long-term thing, as it's training and as is everything else. You kind of got to do it regularly, but I do the saunas. I've yeah. got a little infrared sauna at home. Oh, have you seen? Yeah, where you just yeah, just like pops out. Infra- uh, no, it's a little. It's a little room. It's like a stand-up wooden seated room. Oh, it's a right. little thing, tiny. Um, but you sit in there. You do. I'm I'm much worse with hot temperatures than I am with cold. Right. As in, I panic. After twenty minutes in the sauna, I'm like, get me, get me yeah. out of it. I'm panicking. Um, but you do that into this this is more enjoyable this is more enjoyable it's more enjoyable once you've got ridiculously hot right and then if you want to relax you can kind of get back in the sauna yeah after you've been in the cold and kind of it's very it's incredibly nice yeah that process of super hot to super cold to super hot probably don't want to get back in the cold after the third time yeah that seems like very extra like yeah that's proper stuff like it's Enjoyable. Yeah. It's, mu- it's much more enjoyable to do the hot into the cold than just getting the cold. Mm. The cold in the morning on its own is harder than doing hot. So I use the sauna into the in the evening time. I'll do the sauna into the into the cold. Yeah. And I find that's very relaxing. Sometimes if I'm too close to bedtime, I get back in the sauna after right, just the just heat. Ch- up. Yeah, yeah, to warm up, finish up. So what's this this infrared sauna? Mm. It's just like a little wooden box that you get. In. Yeah, so have you, you? Yeah, exactly. Just like um, it's got a couple of seats in there, little like a couple of seats. It's just something you can place somewhere. So we've got it in our conservatory at home, right? And you just kind of um, yeah, just sat down like this. Just turn it on, sit down on a bench, and yeah, you're sweating after. It's different. You don't need to go as hot as you do in a normal sauna because infrared, so it's kind yeah. of heating up from the inside. Um, 
but in, it's got so many better infrared sauna is a whole topic on, on its own it's got a load, really? of, load of benefits to that too like see i can't sit in a steam room i struggle with a steam room i don't like the close the air you know yeah. like a sauna is not too bad but a steam room i think because i don't know i struggle with i only can sit there for a few minutes before i don't like it i again i find it harder you know in a hot place than I do in yeah. a cold place like panicking yeah I'd probably if my head was under and like you know we bobbing our heads then I'd be a bit more panicky really? sitting here is that like I think I can imagine people who do outdoor swimming I'd hate to do that mm. compared to this you can get out that's the thing oh, yeah yeah exactly it's there uh, to be honest I think being in such a cold gym honestly that gym sometimes you're, is free you're probably well trained some for kind of yeah it's probably not too bad um but, I mean... You've done very well. You do geez, absolutely unbelievable. Have a guess how long we've been here for? Eight minutes. Ten, uh, from when I started my timer, ten minutes, eleven really? minutes now. Flipping I, I only started it, so About a minute, a minute or two in. So we've gone, like, having someone here to talk to, I know you said... Speed makes it a little bit easier, Massively. If I was doing something on, I'd just be constantly kind of watching. I mean, mm. you could probably put Netflix on. Time goes slow, I think, do not it? Yeah. Oh, God, it's like being the plank. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I probably... it's. Doing it, it? and I think, like I said, I have a two, that two-minute rule, which I'll probably have to apply in January if I'm going to do this every day, do it for a minimum of two minutes, mm. and then... Well, if you've managed 15 minutes nearly, yeah. it should be a walk in the park, you know? I'm pretty impressed with that. Mm. I'm, and I think my clients will be a bit good because they thought I was going to be a bit, <laughs> a bit of a fair of this. The gym's definitely trained you well. I know, it? must have been, but... Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No problem. It's been it's great been speaking to you. Oh, even there to go. Don't move. Don't move. That's the thing. <laughs> All right. Well, nice speaking with you, Dan. Nice one. And uh, yeah, I look forward to getting you back on when I'm a master at Wim Hof. Yeah. And I'm like doing and this. We'll talk about the whole that. the whole thing will be in a nice bath. <laughs> <laughs>